there are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back again with you for yet another week with yet another fantastic guest. I'm so excited today to uh, welcome Lance Sekretan uh, to the um, program. Um, before I talk to you about Lance and his incredible uh, book, uh, latest book, because there's been many of them, um, I'd like to say a, a big thank you to Dr. Alan Bernard, who was on the show last night. Um, Alan is uh, a world global expert on decision making and constraint theory. And we really went into uh, the importance of decision making, the process for it, uh, and got me really thinking, actually. You know, I think one of the things he shared with me was that nine out of 10 things that we do, tasks we do, don't take us towards our goals. Uh, and I thought it was just really interesting to look at what we do uh, and uh, have a think about what is truly important and what is a good use of our time when we're when we're trying to elevate our work and trying to uh, develop our businesses and contribute to, ideally, a better world, because, uh, boy, uh, the world needs us to step up right now. Uh, and my guest uh, today is somebody who's really doing that. Uh, I'm going to talk to uh, Lance and introduce him. Uh, we're going to talk about his um, his incredible book about reawakening the human spirit. Um, but but I don't know. You you look at the news at the moment and you get a sense of the world, and it just feels like a place of real disillusionment and despair, and and there's such a, a kind of sense of loss. And I just think the idea of reawakening the human spirit right now is a really profound question. How can one reclaim lost inspiration and inner peace right now to enable us to really be productive? Uh, we have pandemics and political divides and economic downturns and the climate crisis, um, which can all be very, very sapping on the spirit of uh, people. Yet there is hope. And I think we can be hope. We can be lights in this in this darkness uh, that seems to be pervading at the moment uh, my guest today has been identified as the fourth ranked leadership coach globally uh, and he's a renowned authority on corporate culture uh, his insights are, are, are backed by his extensive experience and he has 24 published works uh, as we'll discover he was um, a, a very very successful uh, international um, actor in his younger days, child actor. Uh, he went on to become CEO of Manpower. And he's um, had some incredible achievements in, in teaching, writing, humanitarian efforts. Um, he loves skiing. Uh, he is kayaking, mountain biking. And he also has a real deep connection to both the corporate and also the natural world. So a big welcome to, today to my guest, to Lance Secretan. Welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome. Um, tell us, where in the world are you right now? I'm in Spanish, British Columbia, which is a little tiny village outside of Victoria, British Columbia. I'm just here for a week, but that's where I am right now. Fantastic. And you, you definitely love the outdoor world, don't you? You you've enjoy your outdoor pursuits. 
I do. Yesterday I was watching the salmon running up the river and trying to get up there, you know, which I know you've done in the past too. So that's what I was fooling around with yesterday. It's one of the most wonderful things I think I've done um, with with my wife before the children uh, uh, was to just to go up to British Columbia and watch the grizzly bears catching salmon um, was uh, something I will never forget. It's absolutely, absolutely magical. Hey, now I'm really kind of in, intrigued to for you to share just a little bit about your your early days because you you were brought up in England originally, uh, and uh, I know your father was in the Ministry of Defence, and uh, and you went on to become this incredibly successful child actor. Um, just tell us a little bit about you know that. That's um, you know how you were nurtured and uh, and what you learned that maybe kind of reawakened your spirit to acting and then the corporate world. Tell us a bit about that journey. Well, I think that uh, it gave me a very interesting education because I did a lot of Shakespeare, for example, uh, in my training. And one of the things about the classics, Shakespeare, for instance, but also the Greek uh, tragedies and so on, is they teach you about people in life. Mm. And if you learn about people who can be deceptive and and disastrous <laughs> and who lie and who love and who have passion and, or who kill, all those kinds of human frailties and, and uh, fun things. And if you learn those by the time you're 10, you know, you've actually got a better grip on life than a lot of people yeah, who yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Right? So that's one of the things. I think the other great gift I got was uh, elocution and articulation. Yep. And that's another thing we don't know how to do very well, which is to communicate. Most people don't have any formal training in how to communicate. And therefore, they're very bad at communicating. Mm. And, you know, if we, for example, thought about the voice as a musical instrument, and the fact that the idea is that I want you to actually hear and understand what I'm saying, which means I need to slow it down a little bit, especially as people age, but I don't know about you, but when I'm on listening to the radio, what I hear is all this babble going so fast, I can't pick up, pick it up mostly. So articulation, that's another gift I got. And what was the spark that led to you, you know, becoming an act actor? Where did that come from? Because that wasn't oh, your, that was, your father. That would your be father. My mother. Mother, okay. Yeah, I think she was very, uh, she was a concert pianist and she was very, uh, into the arts and uh, knew a lot of people in the art world and they you know they pulled me in and so pretty and actually i don't mean to be immodest but i was pretty good as a child actor it was only five years but uh you know i got to the top in that time and uh and then my voice broke and it was all over oh really yeah all just like that yeah it's kind of like basketball players you know you get to a certain age and you're done yeah soccer players same thing and you and you became quite quite you became famous, didn't you? And you, uh, okay, you a lot of big, sure. I was open, yeah, opening yeah. art galleries and you know signing books. And even today, you can go on eBay and find uh, West End theater programs that I signed when I was twelve, and they're auctioned on eBay. So, so help us then. So, you, so you went from five years as as a became a very quickly a very successful young actor. Your voice broke. What was yeah. then? What was then, and I'll use your language, the spark, the spark, the inspiration, to move into a corporate world, and and eventually you 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 had a very senior position 
as individuals, which we've already done for companies, because the whole journey of my work with companies is how do we make this place more inspiring? Yeah, that's basically the whole plan. And inspiring for customers, inspiring for vendors, and inspiring for employees and shareholders and government and anybody else, unions and so on. And now we come to the say, well, can those techniques work with people? And essentially, reawakening the human spirit is a reworking of an earlier book called The Spark, the Flame, and the Torch. Ah. Um, <clears throat> this, when we think about the, the levels of engagement in, in, the, in the United States and Europe, there's all sorts of uh, statistics which suggest that engagement is, is still very low on the whole. Um, people go to work, earn some money, come home, enables them to live. This feels like very important work. What is, is that? Is that the, you know, for you? And, and, and you will also talk about in inspiration and motivation, because I think the distinction is very, very important. Um, but is this something that is an antidote, really, to, you know, the, the sad situation where people, many people go to work and aren't happy and, and aren't ignited and aren't fueled? Well, they aren't. And I mean, I ask people every time I make a speech, I ask the audience, what percentage of the population do you think would give up their day jobs if they had a free choice? Mm. And I start, I don't want to jimmy the answers. So I say, well, do you think it would be 50%? Immediately, somebody will say, no, it's 60. Somebody will say, no, it's 70. Somebody will say, it's 80. 80 is where we end up, Chris, always. And the data and the research supports 80. Now, yeah. let's just check this out. 80% of people would quit their jobs if they had a free choice. We spend $170 billion a year on leadership development. We've got 240,000 books on Amazon about leadership. We've got gurus and consultants and big consulting firms all over the place teaching leadership. How come we've ended up in a place where eight out of 10 people would quit if they had a free choice? This yeah. is a disaster, absolute disaster. It's, it's a disaster for two reasons. One, because we're incompetent as leaders. And I would argue we actually don't even lead to lead, need to lead. Leadership is just a red herring, not necessary. I don't know about you. I don't need to be led. I don't need someone to lead me. I need someone to inspire me. You take the prime minister of the UK, for example. Is he a leader or is he an inspirer? That's the big question. If he's an inspirer, he's going to be successful. If he's a leader, he probably won't be. Yeah, yeah. So what we're actually looking for is something entirely different than what we've been finding. That's one thing. The other thing is, of course, what you said in your introduction. People are so burdened with the environment of stuff that's happening. And leaders are tone deaf right now because they're talking to employees about coming back to work, about strategy, about corporate culture, about planning and time management and so on. That's not what employees want to hear. They want to hear about polarization, politics, corruption, uh, inflation, the fact they can't pay their mortgages, can't buy a house and can't pay for their groceries, the war in Israel, the war in Ukraine. These are the things. COVID. I mean, there's just no climate change, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Endless. This is what we need to talk about. And if you were to talk about this to me, I would then be more engaged. But if all I am to you is a piece of, uh, you know, a, a, a bolt that you move around in the different parts of the machinery, then, you know, eight out of 10 people don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, is, is some of this very, a, a, a part of the inherent system? You know, we have 
not CEOs of companies are earning 260 times the average salary of their employees. Um, how do we, and sometimes they're not even performing well. I mean, how do we, what sort of message does that send out to people when others are taking so much? Yeah, it sends a terrible message and it's a message of greed, avarice, uh, just a whole lot of, and another reason why employees are unhappy because they're feeling it's unfair, unjust, and I can do better on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads to a lot of people trying to, to leave and, and setting up their own uh, initiatives, isn't it? Because yeah, you want to yeah. get and, that and space. There's a lot of talent in people too, which is of course being wasted uh, within the corporate world. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to just, um, uh, no, right. <clears throat> Yeah, I completely uh, am with you. Um, we have to we have to do something about this, don't we? The the, the balance has to be shifted, and maybe, maybe it would be a good idea at this point if you could just share a little bit. I, I just found I, I'd not really thought about this before, uh, and you, and your your book opened this. What inspired me really to think about inspiration and motivation, and and the and the difference between them. Um, do you want to share some of that with us? Because I think part of the problem really lies, you know, fundamentally where you are, the system of motivating people, if you describe it as lighting a fire under people, when actually most people can be trusted to to do what they need to do. Yeah. We... Well, let's, let me explain it this way. There's some sort of parts, moving parts that match and meet up together here. Let's talk about the social self and the essential self. So there are two, two, two people in all of us. Each of us has two people inside us, as it were. Yeah. Um, we have the social self, which is really related to the ego and relates to the outside world. And the measure that we use for criteria in the social self is success. How successful am I? Yeah. So we ask questions like, do I look nice? Uh, does this shirt look good on me? Uh, will I get a promotion? Uh, did I just get a sale? Will I get uh, a raise? Um, can I get a new car, a new house? Uh, will you love me? Do you approve? They are all of these things. They're all outside measures, right? So this is the social self. Then we have, on the other hand, the essential self. The essential self calibrates internally, not externally. Yep. And asks, asks different questions. And it doesn't need to be approved. What it needs is joy yeah happiness happiness love and questions like does this fit my values is this right for everyone is this right action will this serve the world and so on does it see, serve my higher purpose those are the kinds of internal questions which the the essential self now motivation is an appeal to the social self mm. because motivation fundamentally is a stick and a carrot approach to life. And we do it, Chris, everywhere. It is the fundamental platform, if you like, it's the operating system of modern society globally, everywhere. Because think about it, academia, pass this exam or you'll, or you'll fail. Healthcare, follow this protocol or you'll die. Religion, join my religion or you, you'll go to hell. Politics, vote for me or the bad guys will get you. Business, do what I say or I'll fire you. Parenting, do what I say or I'll punish you. There's no end to the way we've developed technique 
for either bribing someone to achieve something or punishing them if they don't. Yeah. That's how we're running companies. That's how we're running families. That's what marriages look like. That's what parenting looks like and so on. That's what school systems are built on. Hospitals and healthcare. Look at COVID. COVID was a giant experiment in motivation. Do this or this bad thing is going to happen mm. to you. And so, you know, we are in a world where this is exhausting for all of us. And it doesn't lift the spirit. And it's also temporary. It doesn't last. I can motivate you to get out of this building that's on fire, but then what? Inspiration, on the other hand, talks to the essential self. Different thing. What inspires us? Beauty, the environment, nature, love. These are the things, people, certain people. There are things, they're internal. I mean, a bird song, a symphony, a poem, a, a great movie, a wonderful book, a great restaurant, good friends. These are the things that inspire us. And they're internal, they're not external. So what we actually want to try and do in the world is make sure we understand the difference between motivation and inspiration. I'm not saying motivation is bad. I'm just saying it's not the only thing. And that's all we know. What we actually need to now become an expert on is inspiration. So if you look at a human resource manual in a corporate setting, for example, it's a motivational manual. Here's the policy. This is the action we take negatively if it doesn't get met. And this is the action we take positively if it does get met. That's the human resource manual. Yeah. That's motivation. It's ugly. Yeah. And so where we are, we have manuals on this and we know the, the rule book and there are billions of books on leadership. Trust me, I'm writing some of them, but there are thousands more. And they're all saying basically the same thing. But in reality, what we actually are yearning for, and I think all of us yearn for, is inspiration. So I fall in love with someone who inspires me. I go to work for a company that inspires me. I smell a rose because it inspires me. I listen to certain music that inspires me. I live in certain places that inspire me. If any of those things stop, I leave. If I'm not inspired by my marriage anymore, I'm out of here. If my company doesn't inspire me anymore, I'm gone. So we're in a situation where what we need to really understand is that inspiration is the alternative that we should be looking for for each other. In other words, the question we should be asking is, is it inspiring? Yeah. If I, if I sit down with you here in this conversation that we're having, the question I'm asking myself is, how can we make this inspiring? Because that's what we need to do to reawaken the human spirit. Yeah. So, so would we we'd be better term, terminating, um, you know, being inspirers rather than leaders, or is it you know being an inspirational leader? Uh, I mean, I mean, yes. the, the combination. I suppose the combination allows the social and the essential to be balanced, but it's got to be a yes. Yes, but I think leadership is an overrated discipline. First of all, I don't think we even know how to describe it. If I asked you what is leadership, you'd give me a sentence, but you know, I'm and it's your opinion, but it isn't globally accepted standard of what leadership means. And if I gave you one, it would be the same and it would be different. So mm. if we can't even define it, how can we teach it? Mm. So we've been chasing a chimera, you know, we're just not going to find this. And not only that, but at a certain time of our lives, when we're not juniors anymore, we don't need a leader. We need an inspirer. So the way I describe this, Chris, is that 
as you pointed out earlier, motivation is lighting a fire under someone. And inspiration is lighting a fire within someone. The difference here is critical. Because on the one hand, I'm appealing to a different person in you, your social self. Look, I'll give you a bonus if you get this target. That's a, that's a motivational statement, and it speaks to the social self. How about if you did this project, it would change the world? Yeah. That would be inspiring. Yeah. yeah. It's just a different way to communicate. Yeah. So, so do we... Do we stop giving bonuses and we, we build it into salary and we inspire or does it have to be a bit of both? Does it put, I don't think we need to stop something. anything. I think we need to start something. Yeah. And, you know, we still need bonuses and we still need to make decent money and all the rest of it. Uh, all those things are still valid. But how about inspiring me as well? In yeah. other words, can you be as good at inspiring as you have become at motivating? Mm. So, you, so your book, Reawakening the Human Spirit, um, Finding the Spark, is, is about, it also refers to sort of finding the spark that uh, and the flame. And uh, can you just um, talk to us about what the, you, got, you have the spark, the flame, and the torch in the title. Um, right, right. Just, just, just to stay in the scene, this, this, the spark is inspiration, I think. Um, tell yeah. us uh, just very briefly what the flame and the torch is, and then we can use that to sort of structure our conversation after the break. Well, what actually happens is that we, the book assumes that we can't really be inspiring to other people if we're not inspired ourselves. Yeah. So, so we need to fill up our own tank first. And that's not always true. Leaders do inspire when they're not inspired. And that happens a lot. And all of us who've been in leadership roles know that. And we've done that. But it's not sustainable. And so if you want to be an inspiring person always, then you need to be inspired first. That's the spark. So we fill up our own tank. The flame then is once our spark is achieved, once we, in other words, have a full tank, we can now go out to the world and inspire other people. Yeah. So inspiring others is the flame. And lastly, the torch is inspiring the world. So in your work, for example, the work that you do, that's this torch, you're inspiring the world. You have a megaphone, you reach lots of people in lots of countries, wide reach, and that's inspiring for people. That's that's the torch. That's building a relationship that's inspiring globally. Yeah. It's also creating a legacy. That's the other part of it. Torch. Yeah. It, it, it's playing it's playing a role, hopefully, for a better world. It's it's that, that exactly. big that's, exactly. that's why I do it. It's it's uh it it's lovely to connect and do this and and, and I learn, but ultimately the for me, the payoff is hearing how people have utilized it to do good. And to make a better world. And the yeah. question becomes, if you're not trying to make the world better, what exactly are you doing? Mm. Why are you here? What's the yeah. point? Yeah. Yeah. And will you be able to look back one day when you're, when you're older right. and, and enjoy it all over again? Right. And if you say, well, actually, I'm here to build a great family and to provide well for them and create a pension for myself and our family in return and so on, that's not why you're here. No, no. I remember 15 years ago, a client saying to me, you know, I, I, I kind of admired what you, Chris, in wanting to contribute to a better world, but uh, all I care about is making as much money as I can for me and my family. 
Um, <clears throat> it's been 15 years and we've still not worked together again. Because, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it wasn't going to inspire him to make a change. So let him get on with it. He's probably very, very wealthy with all his money right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm happy. <laughs> well, we'll leave it there for now. We're going to come back after the commercial break and we'll we'll find out uh, some more about some things that elements you need to reflect upon. Uh, and then there's some a wonderful set of um, I call them values in here called Castle, which I just think uh, really, really resonated with me when I, I read the book. Um, and I'd love to uh, to hear about those. And, and, and there was a story in the book um, about uh, Charles Brown, not Charlie Brown, but Charles Brown, uh, which uh, actually brought me to tears. So maybe we could uh, we could learn a little bit about that as well. So do join us again um, after the break. Uh, we'll be talking about all things about uh, you being the flame and, uh, and, uh, and taking the torch out to the world. Uh, this is really important information. It's, this is really thought-provoking. We need to reawaken the human spirit. We need to reawaken our own spirits right now to be a light, light in the dark, and we need to help others to lead the way to a better world. Um, so important. So I'll be back again with you all with Lance in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Say It Skillfully is my radio show about being who you are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. I'll help you find the right words to tackle any challenging conversation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. You'll learn how to achieve success on your terms and be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in your life. Check out SayItSkillfully.com for practical resources, including my 90-second videos, real-life examples showing you how to speak up skillfully. I invite you to call in with your questions. Join me live every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. And no, I'm cheering for you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Lance Secretan. We're talking about reawakening the human spirit, finding the spark, the flame, and the torch within. And you're a very inspiring conversation. We talked a lot about, about inspiration uh, against versus motivation. And when you're inspiring yourself, because that was the, you know, I guess finding the the spark uh, in, in your book. You talk about four reflections. Yes. So there are, they, yeah, the reflections are really what I, what I call chapters. And uh, so the, the spark has really three parts to it. One, uh, we need to know who we are, why we're here, what we're doing with our lives. So most people have no clue about that. And research I've done into great leaders has shown that every leader knew that. And therefore, you know, we need to know that too, as individuals. Uh, secondly, we want to dream. We need a dream in our lives. That's inspiring to get up in the morning and have a dream. And we need a dream for companies, not a mission statement, but a dream. And lastly, we need to remove the violent language from our lives. We use violent language every day, uh, blowing the doors off things, destroying the competition, you know, war on terror, war on drugs, uh, etc. This this language of being in a war room, uh, being battle ready, uh, being a war a warrior, road warrior, you know, all this stuff is just is exhausting for all of us. And what it's doing, I won't go into it now in detail, but it basically pollutes the body. So fun fundamentally, the biochemistry is being fired in your body. Cortisol, for example, some of the uh, stress hormones are being pushed around in your body when you use the language of war subconsciously. You don't even notice it. So I could say, uh, Chris, you know, I would kill uh, for your pictures that you've got hanging on the wall. Um, or I could say, uh, this woman is drop dead beautiful. Uh, I don't mean she's to drop dead, and I don't mean I'm going to kill you, but I say those words, and they send for you like an electric shock inside your body. And stress hormones fire up immediately. You don't even notice it. So you leave a person uh, that's been talking this way for a while, and you say to yourself, I don't feel good right now. I wonder why. Right. And that's why. Yeah. So we can't inspire people with the language of war. That's the bottom line. So that's the spark. Now the flame, once we've got those things accomplished and it's a big job, so I've just flown across the top of it, but you don't just decide what your destiny is in five minutes either. So, <laughs> but that, you know, the book takes you through the process to do that. Well then, you know, what we want to try and do is inspire other people. How do we do that? And we do that by living six different ways. And it's very simple, not easy, but very simple. We need to be courageous. Hmm. We need to be authentic, not phony, authentic. We need to serve others. We need to tell the truth and be truthful. We need to be loving. We need to be effective. Whatever it is we do, we need to do it well. That's an acronym that spells CASEL. So we call them the CASEL principles. And we got there by reverse engineering, basically, because we asked people what they did not like about other people. And what they said was, we don't like cowards, and we don't like phony people. We don't like people who serve themselves and they're selfish. We don't like people who rule with fear. We don't like people who lie, and we don't like idiots. So we said, okay, let's do the opposite. It's not very difficult, really, when you think about it. Now, the thing is that we do love people who are courageous, authentic, serve others, tell the truth, loving and effective. And so if we want to inspire people, we need to be with them courageous. We need to be authentic with them. We need to serve them. We need to tell the truth, be loving and effective. Now I predict 
without a shred of uh, heavy-duty research, that this would be a marriage saver, for one thing. Mm. But it also would help us to live more inspired lives. Because if I kept asking myself questions around just these six simple words, courage, authenticity, service, truthfulness, love, and effectiveness, if I could just live those six words, that's all I need to do. But I will transform into an inspiring person and be inspired myself. Because when you're courageous and you pull off amazing feats, emotionally, spiritually, physically, you feel wonderful about yourself. Therefore, you're inspired. Yeah. Yeah. That they're wonderful. And nobody feels good when they do the opposite, Chris. Mm. Nobody well, feels good when they're cowards. Nobody feels good when they're serving themselves. Nobody feels good when they're lying. They're not inspired by doing that. So obviously the inspiration comes from doing the opposite. So, so why do we find people in leadership positions who who aren't doing this? Why do they why do they why do they find their way to the top? Uh, because that's a model that we've used, and it's the model, by the way, we teach. I mean, I was part of the university system for a number of years, and I can tell you, this yeah. is what we teach. We teach competition. We teach marketing strategy. We teach how to destroy the competition. That's what we teach. That's the point. It's red-in-claw capitalism. And, you know, I'm not saying capitalism is bad. I'm just saying we've given it an edge. It's not nice at the moment. We need to just force correct so that capitalism is a force for good, not a force for evil. Yeah. So, so how do we? I mean, obviously, we're, we're having this conversation today. You, you, you are having working with lots of organisations and and people, um, but it feels like we need to reset and fast. You know, it, it, we, it, reset. we need, we need to reset. reset. We need, we need a global yeah. reset, don't we? And fast. Yeah. 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 Big, big question. And, How do we help do it? And we, we can do it. I, I think this book actually is sort of a roadmap for, for how to do that. Because after all, if we follow the sequence of some of the ideas that I've tried to explain here, uh, we'll get there. Because it just it means different things to different people. But for example, one of the things we do a lot, Chris, is we lecture people. That's bad, Chris. You shouldn't do it that way. You should do it this way. Let me show you how. Right. I'm not two years old. I don't need that. Yeah. A different way, and, and that's a motivational way, right? Fear fear induced. How about phrasing it differently, like, for example, Chris, why do you do it that way? I always find that if you ask a question instead of making a statement, mm. you'll be much further ahead. Mm. You want to make a statement because you you're you know, Carl Jung has this wonderful phrase that I love, cherish this beautiful quote. He says, thinking is difficult. That's why most people judge. Yeah. And we are terrible at judging. We are. So everything that's wrong in the world is the result of someone judging somebody else as wrong or bad. So if we could avoid that, before we rush to judgment, ask a question because you might learn something. And the reason you do it that way, Chris, is probably perfectly logical, and I didn't even know that. And when I ask a question, I thought, but maybe it isn't. And if it isn't, then I have a conversation. So we, we are on our way now to a more inspiring possibility. Mm -hmm. 
But just whacking you with with negative comments is not going to get the job done at all. It just pisses you off. Yeah, and and, and fractures relationships, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and we. And so, how do we get there at the individual level? You and I, we must start. Not not tell everybody else to do it, but just do it ourselves. Model the behavior we're looking for. Teach others through modeling it, and it'll grow. You know, we're building a community all over the world. We call the high ground community, and there's hundreds of people involved with with our work all over the place. And so, you know, it's 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 coming. It's yeah. coming. Yeah. I think, um, and I think the other thing I think all your listeners will agree, we're exhausted enough already. We've had too much of this. It's time to change. I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing wars and COVID and climate change and polarization and corruption and so on. Useless politicians. I can't keep doing that. We need to do something different. We do. And how how do we protect ourselves from it at the moment? How, how do you, uh, people, you know, people? Oh, that's, that's a great question. That's in the, the book also has a piece in the front, you'll remember, called The Foundation. There I deal with a number of things, but in particular, stress. Stress is a myth. And the reason I say that is because you say, how do we deal with it? Well, we deal with it by becoming Teflon. So it doesn't stick. I can say to you, uh, Christopher, you're really ugly. And you will be saying to yourself, here's nobody's talking about. Not ugly, but, you know, he thinks that. The fact that I said that doesn't make it true. Yeah. You, you can just let it go. You're driving onto the freeway. Car comes along and as you enter and cuts you off, and you can do one of two things. You can yell and scream and make sure he knows how stupid you think he is. And you can wave your arms and get agitated and so on. Or you can just say, have a nice day. I'm grateful for the wonderful life I live. Mm. We have a choice. So how do we protect ourselves? Don't let it stick to you. Mm. And how do we get away from that habitual behavior so it's 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 great um what you're suggest suggesting here i think it's it's absolutely the right response however it's, it's a real discipline involved where if habitually you've been doing for something for a long long time uh, you can catch yourself doing it can't you and you you become aware of it absolutely. absolutely yeah it's very very difficult i'm not saying it's easy but i am in the book walking people through uh, baby steps, you know, to get to each of these quite big ideas that uh, can change everything and will change the world. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. One of the, I had a guest on the show a few years ago and she was uh, working on huge well-being projects all over the globe uh, with big corporations. And I asked her, so what's the number one issue that your clients raise with you and want to discuss? And she said, it's this, she said, teenagers. <laughs> yeah. The biggest challenge for people. It was, it was, you know, just it wasn't what I was expecting. But I, I having teenagers myself, two teenage yeah. boys, uh, yeah. I, I can um, understand why that. Yeah. Might, and having lots of clients, they often want to talk about their kids. Um, yes. So how do we, 
what's your advice to becoming Teflon coated with teenagers or young people? Um, yes. <laughs> You've got to remember that uh, the spring of revolution of some years ago so it was started by 12 year olds. And in particular, by an engineer uh, at Google who was playing with these people. But the movement that brought about the Arab Spring was from teenagers. Really? And I think what we need to understand here is that we typically, as we uh, are older, we look down on teenagers as um, unformed or immature or not ready. The reality is they're way more sophisticated than you give them credit for. Mm. And they're living in a world that they don't appreciate much. They want to make it different. And thank goodness they do, because we're the ones that have screwed it up. So they're going to come next and fix it. So be nice to them. Mm. They're going to save us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose what we just have to do is inspire them to want to save <laughs> because uh, they're so yeah today right. yeah they, they come with a they come with a device attached to them called mobile well, phone that's, and that's yeah yeah fine we're going to have it implanted soon so mm -hmm. we won't even need to talk about carrying it it'll be in us all, all the time so yeah we need to get over this stuff this is small stuff you know when tens of thousands of people are dying in wars all over the world let's not worry about small things like whether people have phones on them or not you know it's just irrelevant but what we need to do with teenagers is inspire them. Mm. They're not inspired and they're living in a world and they're basically uninspired by the world. And in particular, by the people who created the problem. Yeah. yeah. So we need to be nice to them and say, how can I help you change this? Yes. How can I help you make the world better? Yes. Instead of bitching and whining about it, let's roll up our sleeves and do something. What will I be? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Your book also identifies six components for guiding others. Do you want to share a little bit about those? I think was, Which ones are you referring to? Uh, mastery, I think. Um, I think it was, oh, I see. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a complicated model to explain quickly on the phone. But basically, there are only three things we do in life. Everything we do comes under one of these three headings. Mastery whatever we do in life, whether it means our work, but also things like peeling a banana or cooking an egg or whatever else it is you do, but whatever, it involves mastery. Secondly, chemistry. Chemistry is relating well with people. That's the other thing we do. And lastly, delivery. Delivery is identifying the needs of others and meeting them. That's the third thing we do. So all we do in life comes under one or more of those headings. So the idea here then is that we need to get better at those things. We need to get better in our mastery, better uh, chemistry, and better at our delivery. Well, how do we do that? Well, then we have three more things that uh, attach to each of those. Those three that I just mentioned are called the primary values. And how do we get to the primary values? Mastery, we achieve greater mastery through learning. So yeah. learning is what we call an ac accelerator. The more we learn, the greater the mastery. And what puzzles me greatly, Chris, is how little we learn. We think when we're done with university or school, we're done. So few people are learning. We read books, but we don't actually learn. We don't absorb. It doesn't change our opinion. 
and we don't we don't have open minds. So learning is so critical to achieving greater mastery. And most people get to be about forty or fifty, and then plateau from then on. They're basically flatlining. And uh, I, I think you know you've read in the book the stories of my skiing exploits. I bring mm. people down to the mountain where I live in Colorado, teach them how to ski. They've skied all their lives, and they're forty five years old, and they still can't ski a double black diamond. So I show them how to do that in one day. And that, after that one day, their lives are different because they now can do something they never could do before, never even dreamed they'd be doing, never committed to doing, and didn't believe they were capable of doing. And now, breakthrough, they're at the other side and they're doing something they're going to be able to enjoy for the rest of their lives. So that's, that's learning. Empathizing is what leads to chemistry. We need to empathize with people. Instead of bombing and killing people and arguing with them, just find out what that pain is and what can we do to help you heal that pain. Yeah. And lastly, delivery is about listening. Delivery is about meeting the people's needs. How do we know what those needs are if we don't listen? We're terrible listeners. And do you know that the word silent and the word listen has the same letters? I haven't realized that. not a coincidence. Yeah. That's not a coincidence. No, we are terrible at listening. Mm. I mean, parents don't listen to us. And politicians don't listen to us. My boss doesn't listen to us. Customers don't listen to us, you know, and so on. And we can talk about an absence of listening everywhere. So listening is an imperative. So these are the six pieces that you were talking about that lead to personal growth and development. Fantastic. This has been uh, really, really inspiring. Um, however, um, I did mention, uh, and it came down to the, your fifth value of Castle, which was love, I think. I think this yes. that sat under love. Uh, you yes. share a story about Charles Brown in the book, which yes. uh, I think is a lovely way to kind of move, move this towards a close. Maybe you could share that story because you met Charles Brown. and uh... Yes. Well, Charles Brown was a, <clears throat> a pilot for the U.S. Air Force uh, during World War II. And he was, uh, he flew a bomber. And so he was on a bomber mission flying out of England uh, to Germany. And he was uh, destined to bomb a factory in Germany. And when he was intercepted by a fighter pilot, and the fighter pilot created all kinds of catastrophic damage to the plane, knocked out an engine, uh, killed several of the people on board, and so on. And so uh, Charles Brown went unconscious. He inverted. The plane went upside down and started to the nose dive. He uh, fortunately um, recovered and uh, goosed the plane with one engine uh, up, back up into an elevation. And as he was trying to recover the plane, <clears throat> Franz Stiglitz, who was a German pilot, <clears throat> was on the ground refueling. And he saw this plane uh, a few hundred feet above the ground flying above the trees in the woods and he he just shot down two planes that day so if he got the third one he got an iron cross which is the highest decoration you could get in the Luftwaffe. so he scrambles his, his plane jumps up and, and intercepts charles brown and decides he's going to tank him so he lines up to the rear and uh, that which is the best place apparently to take out an aircraft and then he saw people when he saw people inside the plane he thought to himself, as he would later say, I never shot people. I shot planes. I never shot people. And when he saw the people, he couldn't shoot. So he guided 
Charles Brown to the Atlantic so that he could make a safe crossing across Europe and then eventually continue on to where he landed in England. And then the rest of the stories, and interesting because about, I think it was around 50 years later, Charles Brown puts an ad in the paper to see if he could ever find this pilot, and he did. The pilot, German, now moved to just close to where I'm living or, or visiting right now, Richmond, B.C. <clears throat> so they both had a reunion in Seattle, and it was a union of love. And it was a demonstration that <clears throat> even in war, there is love. And that the reality is we don't really kill people. It's hard for us to kill people. We kill buildings and infrastructure and so on. So when the heart realizes what it's doing, it rebels. Wow. <clears throat> what, a, what a story. Do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Yes, I would like to suggest that everybody who's got an Apple phone or an Android phone goes to their Apple uh, store or the uh, Android store and downloads an app called Spirit at Work. Spirit at Work is a book I wrote in 2002, but I turned it into a set of cards and it's a digital set of cards. And it's, I think, something that people will love. It's very inspiring. There's all kinds of videos and messages and teachings that you can uh, get from this video, uh, from the app, I mean. And so search for um, Spirit at Work cards on your favorite platform and download the app. It's free. There is an upgrade that it will cost you, I think, $12 or something. Um, but basic app is free. So enjoy. Can't say better than that. Thank you, Lance. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I feel my my human spirit being reawakened uh, during the conversation. Um, for anybody who has been inspired by this and you want to access the book, um, it is... Um, Again, available, Reawakening the Human Spirit, Finding the Spark, the Flame and the Torch. And I'm sure it's available for all good booksellers online. Um, I certainly had no problem accessing a copy uh, for my Kindle uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so, And I really recommend it. It was a great read, very thought-provoking. And I guess in conjunction with this interview, just, just really interesting and helpful. Uh, on next week's show, we have Howard Bihar. He's the former president of Starbucks. I'm going to talk, be talking about servant leadership. Um, he... Uh, over many years, took the firm from just um, just a few stores to many, many thousands across the globe. Uh, and he's a real, uh, like, uh, uh, like Lance, he's a really um, caring individual who cares about the people component. And I think it fits on beautifully from today. So uh, do join us again uh, for the show next week. Uh, wish you all well. Any questions, comments, love to hear from them. Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, chriscooper.co.uk is the website there's a new one coming soon in february which will be even uh, which will be much better i think um, but thank you for listening today um thank you again lance and just go away and just think about this just think about how you can ensure you're inspired ensure think about your dream uh think about how you can then go and take uh, this that flame and torch to others uh, we need you right now to step up it's time we all stepped up uh, and we need uh, much more much more love in this world. Take care, everybody. Speak to you again very soon. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. 
achieve more. 